0: Where we are in our passage is actually the bit in the middle, neither the end of the beginning nor the beginning of the end. We're in the middle. In fact, it's the start of the middle section where Jesus journeys differently and we've invited to journey with him. That's the whole purpose of this from sort of the end of chapter 9 all the way through to Luke 19. It's a journey towards Jerusalem. And it's a rather unusual journey, one that stretches our mind rather than our legs. And one that geographically doesn't seem to make much sense. But spiritually... It should orientate our mind to the way of Jesus. Our Lord, we hear, has set his face to go to Jerusalem. And we who have previously heard that end bit know what going to Jerusalem will mean. We have more than an idea of what is coming. But if we had a map, we would see that even at the first destination, a Samaritan village, is not a sensible spot on the route that's being described from Galilee, where he's been, to Jerusalem. It would be heading... Um, you know, if we're heading up to London from Sussex, where we are, it would be like going via Bedford Church, some way of like Luton. You know, we'd go as far the other side before coming back to it. As far past the destination as our starting spot. But the journey we see here gives us a flavor of what it is to be a disciple and also what it is not. The first element is that it is a Samaritan village that he's going to. People of a common root, but yet a different understanding of God than the Jews. Jesus is not bothered about where we come from, what our life has been, what we have previously thought of God on how we have expressed that. He's not bothered about where we've worshipped before or whether we've worshipped before. He's interested in whether we will listen to the word and live for him. Jesus always offers a new beginning. He offers a new start to whoever we are and whatever we've done. But do we always accept that offer. That's the challenge. The next element in the story is the rejection. And the People of the time say, no, we don't want you. And people will reject followers of the way. They will reject us as disciples, and they will reject God. We might know that we have truth. We might long for them to know God's love. But there will be folk that will simply say, no, I don't want that. Before you even get much of a word out. They just reject. They have a preconceived idea. And they want to turn away from you when they choose different teaching when they choose to reject how are we to respond it is impressive that the disciples feel that they could call down fire as Elijah does in 2 Kings 1 let's just call down fire wipe out the whole village you know, as Elijah called down fire on the soldiers that came to arrest him. But that's not the way of Jesus, is it? Earlier in this chapter, when Jesus had sent out the twelve disciples in Galilee, he told them, if they were not made welcome, they should just sh- shake the sand off their shoes be on their way. There was other places that they could go. They didn't need to dwell on the fact that they were being rejected in one place, that there was a home that didn't open to them. No, they were to move on. When rejected by non-believers, we don't enter into a fight, a Twitter spat a slanging match or similar. No, we walk on, perhaps even biting our tongue in the process. We may want to share that story of God's love, but there are times when they're not going to listen and we just have to walk on. Doing so is not a sign of weakness, but speaks of our faith, And our strength that we have matured in the fruit of the Spirit being able to move on the next element of being a disciple is allowing oneself to be somewhat insecure in what are the normal ways of the world and instead we become secure in our faith, secure in the Lord. Perhaps for us, it might be something like the passing over of a promotion at work. We might choose not to do something extra because we actually got to use that time, that energy to serve the Lord. If we have to set aside something that that gets in the way from us faithfully being God's people, then we we do have to turn away from that thing. However much we long to do it, the Son of Man, Jesus had no permanent place to lay his head, and yet he eats at table and regularly has a roof over his head in others' homes. And the disciples likewise often spent time receiving hospitality. Now that's not to say that we all have to give up our homes. You know, in fact, what we see is believers using their homes, welcoming people, using them for the purpose of God. You know, people like Martha and Mary and Lazarus, their home welcomes Jesus on a number of times. Or in Acts, we have Lydia opening her big house to be a place of prayer. But we have to be aware that God may call us quite possibly will call us out of our comfort zone. And if Jesus is our Lord, we have to obey. So we have to listen to what God is saying to us as an individual and seeing where that leads us. If we do have a home or a car or other possession, we we need to be offering it for God's purpose. How is his kingdom built by who we are and what we can offer? More uncomfortable, perhaps, for us, though, is how Jesus reacts when the man he is called to follow wants to bury his father first. Jesus says he mustn't look back. And again, thinking of Elijah, we might recall how when he called Elisha to be the new disciple, to be the future prophet, Elisha said he wanted to go and say goodbye to his parents. And that's what he did. And that was all right. But at the same time, such was that young man's faith that he roasted his oxen on a fire made of the yoke. Meaning there was no going back. We might also recall Lot's wife turning around to look instead of fleeing the destruction of her home city. The call of God in Old and New Testament is always onwards. It's always about going forwards. It's always about change and the kingdom coming. Whether we are happy with what was before or felt it painful, we're not called to dwell on it. The world has changed every second. It's certainly changed in the last 20 or so years since the millennium, and even more so, more rapidly, in the last two when we have had COVID. What once was is no more. But we must seek what Jesus wants in the context of our life today and for the kingdom tomorrow. And that means we think less of our personal desire and must instead each seek what God is saying. And the text suggests there's a, there's a degree of urgency in this. Don't go back. Go forward. Now, don't do that thing that society normally expects you to do. Do the new thing that I'm calling you to do. That's the way of Jesus. Now, one of the things that might give us pain is that we don't see the number of children in church as we used to, but nor do we have the number of helpers, anything like the number able or willing to help. That's why Emily had to put down the guitar and whatever else she was playing across there and go out to do United. because otherwise, for the second time this month, there wouldn't have been a young people's group on a Sunday morning. We are blessed with what's happening in this church. We are blessed with messy church. We are blessed with what's happening at Boys Brigade. We are blessed with stepping stones. I give thanks for what Helen and Martin, who are up on the balcony today, are doing with the kids on a Sunday evening with Eve, a Bible study for them online. But there are other times we are really struggling, particularly with having the right folk and the right number of folk that are able on Sunday mornings. And there's other areas of challenge, too, in the church. But if you want to see this church grow and flourish, then I ask you to do two things. Firstly, pray. We need to be praying for this church to grow and flourish. And we need to pray for children and families to come and pray for the right helpers that they have inspired to share their faith and that they're able to do so on a regular basis. And secondly, as you pray, remember that prayer is not a one way conversation, you have to listen as part of that prayer. Listen for what God may be saying to you about how God is calling you to be a disciple. It might not be to work with young people. Maybe that's not what God's wanting of you. But there will be ways you can use your gifts in the life of the church. Maybe it is in prayer. Maybe it's in more prayer. Maybe it's in pastoral. Maybe it's helping David and the building managers with the maintenance and the work that's going on there maybe it's with the finance group now elders we've talked about a desire to plan events that will engage and encourage and bring joy in the life of the church and grow the fellowship maybe you won't be part of a team like that maybe God is calling you to be part of a team like that and in November. I know that's five months away still. In November, when we come to our church annual meeting and have the election of elders, is God calling you to be an elder? Is God calling you to be part of the main leadership of this church? And be part of that, seeking a journey forward. Please pray. Pray for our growth. And pray about how God is calling you. Have that conversation with God. And also chat with me about where you are. And things are going. Obviously, that's not going to happen after the service today because I'm going off to Compton House. But tell me where you are and how you think God is calling you as an individual. Now, of course, we are not the only church that's seen a fall in the number of children and young people. A survey by the Evangelical Alliance in autumn last year saw that 17 percent of churches that had youth ministry pre-pandemic no longer did Now about a third of church members have reduced their volunteering perhaps because of their health perhaps because of other reasons but there's been big changes in the church across the nations God's saying to us today, how are we disciples? I've got something that might help you in considering that, in considering the growth and how we might pray. There's some leaflets over on the table there which uh, say in the top corner here, the little logo says, Pray Like Hannah. You know, in the story of Samuel. The URC is asking its members to pray each day for children to come to church and to grow in faith each day throughout the whole of the month of july that and pray that we might be ready to receive them the prayer like hannah initiative invites us to say the same prayer each day of all 31 days and there's also a little activity on there that you might engage in too um we've got these sheets i'll I'll put it online to play as a a link on today's service that if you aren't in the building, you might be able to get one. Um, Pray that we can be those disciples on the journey, on that challenging journey, and helping those of all ages on that challenging journey that sees the kingdom grow. And flourish. I encourage you, I urge you to journey with Jesus, and it's a path that requires a real walk of faith on what at times can be quite an uncomfortable road. If you're truly listening to God, sometimes he takes you places that you don't want to go. But in this way, we will see the kingdom grow. In this way, traveling with Jesus, seeking his path, our hearts will be moved in the right way and the kingdom will flourish in this place Amen